A black and white photograph can feel timeless. It's a fine art piece. It removes the color, removes a little bit of reality, and takes you into a different space. But very few photographers, even those that specialize in black and white, can work an image to bring the richness and depth of today's guest. Today, it's the Angel Gabriel with Cole Thompson on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, thanks for joining me and welcome again to a new episode of Behind the Shot, the podcast that tries to get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. Because let's be honest, in the end, what really matters is the shot. I try and get an idea from conception to completion and all the stories and problems and troubleshooting that might happen in between. Uh, again, I'm your host, Steve Brazel, and thanks for joining me. I would like to remind you, as you do watch the podcast, of course, you can watch it on YouTube. But if you subscribe to podcasts using a podcast app, please feel free to head to the uh, iTunes store and leave us a review. It's always appreciated, good or bad. If you want to reach out to me with any comments, compliments, or uh, complaints, feel free to do so as well. You can find me on Twitter at Raz2, R-A-Z-Z-2. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on pretty much everything. Just Google my name and you'll find me somewhere. Uh, so let's get into today's episode. Today's episode of Behind the Shot is kind of an unusual one because this is a photographer that I did not know before I saw his work. I happen to be browsing through 500 pics, and let me just tell you right now, if you have not just gone to 500px.com and chosen either the popular or the, the editor's choice and lost hours browsing through images, I'm questioning whether you and I will be able to be friends. It's a real easy thing to do. You can get lost in those photos for hours and the inspiration that you'll find on any type of photography that you might do is unmatched. I mean, 500px is that good. And what I was doing was I was browsing through 500px, just passing time, and I saw some black and white imagery. <clears throat> and when I saw this imagery, it, it struck me for a lot of different reasons I want to get into. Um, let me introduce our guest today. Our guest is, is Cole Thompson. Cole, thank you very much for joining us. Howdy, Steve. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You are a fine art photographer is the best way that I can think of to describe what you shoot. I mean, is that how you describe yourself, a fine art photographer? You know, I don't even know what fine art is, but everybody has a general idea when you say a fine art photographer. They know I'm not working at Sears taking portraits and I'm not doing weddings. So yeah, I use the term fine art photographer just because we all kind of know what that means. But but really a lot of your, I'm trying to think how to word this. A, a, a lot of your imagery that I saw as I'm browsing through 500 pics, and by the way, his 500 PX link will be in the show notes. If you go to thisweekinphoto.com and find this episode, the show notes will have links to all this social media context. Um, as I'm looking through your photos though, you do something with black and white. All your pictures that I saw pretty much are black and white. And you do something with black and white that actually makes the black and white feel like color. And that's what jumped out at me when I saw it, was you have this rich depth of, of shades in your imagery. Um, and I want to get into how you process those. And that's what jumped out at me at, at the picture we're going to talk about today, but really all of your work. Some of your work, I'm wondering, you know, the, the cloud, the single cloud is, is kind of a signature of yours over things. Um, you are self-taught, though. You did not go to photography school. You've recently retired, right? Yes, I've never taken a class, never taken a workshop, just self-taught and uh, worked in, not in, as a photographer, worked my career in business and just retired and now i have more time to create and and you are fairly uh 
prolific with your creations. I mean, I, I see a lot of work up on the web from you. Your recent portfolio, it's called Melting Giants. That was actually in the 2017 Lenswork magazine. So you're published. And again, the thing that strikes me about your imagery is just the depth that you get out of a black and white. I see so many black and whites where the maker thinks that they're contrasty and beautiful and rich and they're flat. Your images, not that way whatsoever. So before I bring up the shot, why do you shoot everything black and white? Well, I don't really know. I, I tell people this story and I don't know if it's completely true, but I grew up in a black and white world. Uh, when I was a child, the news was in black and white. Uh, television was in black and white. The movies were in black and white. Even our nation was still segregated into black and white. And so that's the world I grew up in. And perhaps my art is an extension of that world. I don't know why. I just love it. It resonates with me. I see color and it's not that interesting to me. Uh, so I don't know why. It just that's what how I see. You know, I, I've heard so many quotes about black and white photography, and I wish I could remember them now. You know, it was something to the effect of um, strip away the color and you really get to the emotion of, of something. And and that's kind of a good description of, of your work, um, because a lot of the work that I see from you is um, what's the word I'm looking for? I started to say surrealistic and it's not, but it's it, it's ethereal. Um, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's there's a ghostly effect to your images, even the ones that don't have ghosts in them. So that kind of brings us up to this image. Let, let's bring this thing up and talk about it. Tell me a little bit, uh, first of all, the name of the image. Um, did you have any concept when you went into shooting this image? You know, Tell me a little bit about the image itself. Well, this is the angel Gabriel. And I need to pre present perhaps some background. Up until this point, this image, I really considered myself a photographer. I didn't think I had any creative ability, and so I compensated through trying to be technically excellent. I thought I could compensate for lack of creative ability with technical ability. And I was, at this time, I had a mentor, and she was trying to convince me to be more creative and to, to manipulate the image. And then from my background, manipulation was a dirty word. It was uh, the, you know, a, a, an unforgivable sin to manipulate an image. I thought I was there to document reality. And about this time, I was out photographing in Newport Beach on the Newport Beach Pier. And I was just photographing the pier itself. And it was very crowded with lots and lots of people. And through long exposure, I was making them disappear. And the image was interesting, but it just lacked something. And so I was looking around for a subject when I saw this homeless man eating food out of a trash can. He was eating French fries out of a trash can. And I thought I would ask him to help me with the image. And it turns out his name was Gabriel. And so I asked him if he would help me. With wait a minute. Wait, a minute. I, I've got to interrupt you here. Coincidentally, his name was Gabriel. Well, that's how the image got its name. So, yes, his name was Gabriel Stan. He was from Romania. He, he and his father had escaped Romania at the fall of Ceausescu. And uh, he was homeless and his father was living nearby. So I asked him if he would help with this photo. I would buy him lunch. So we took a couple of images and he wanted to hold his Bible in this one image. And that's the one that I used. And it's a long exposure so that all of those crowds of people disappear, except for those 
couple of ghosts in the background who linger just long enough to, to record themselves. So after the photo was taken, I took Gabriel to have lunch at one of these four-star restaurants that lie in the beginning of the pier. And he was dirty, he was homeless, he was uh, barefoot, and the people gave me the eye, why are you bringing him in here? But we sat and I said, Gabriel, order anything that you like. And he said, well, I'd love to have a steak with mushrooms and onions. I haven't had one for years. And when the waitress brought it, he picked it up and ate it with his hands. Uh, he was a delightful fellow. He was clearly impaired from years of drug use, but he was there. And we talked about Romania. And I told him that I was half Romanian. So we talked about the old country and uh, about his father who lived nearby and just had a nice time. Uh, he had not been on drugs for some time. And uh, as we ended the meeting, I just thanked him and asked him if I could get his father's address. And if I sold any of these images, I'd be happy to send a portion of the for proceeds. And he said something that, that made the day. He said, give it to someone who could really use it. I have everything that I need. And he walked away with two possessions, a bedroll and a Bible. And that was the, the one of the things that makes this image special to me was just the encounter of meeting Gabriel and uh, that attitude, such a great attitude. You know, when <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat left speechless by the description, when you made the comment, when you and I were talking, you know, picking images that, that, that we might discuss, and you said, oh, the angel Gabriel, uh, it's got a great story behind it, and, and it would be a really good one to discuss. And I had no idea the story you were going to tell. Mm. Um, and, you know, I always like to say that, that an image shouldn't need a story to have meaning, and this one does not. This one stands on its own. But, oh, my gosh, with the story behind it, too, um, you know, it, it, it is. Um, well, I'm with you. That, I don't like to have a story that needs to be told, but I think the story makes it more memorable. Yes, exactly. Um, the story on this one, again, I'm going to use the word. I'm overusing this word today. It adds depth to this image. <clears throat> you know, it's no longer just an image of a guy. First of all, I didn't know he was homeless. Um, you know what, let's get into the technical stuff really quick, because obviously this is a long exposure, which caused blur. This is you, you mentioned, which I love, by the way, so many people are so hung up on I have to be technically perfect. I have to be technically perfect. I'm one of those people. I love my images to be tack sharp. Right. But some of the favorite images, I'm a concert photographer and, and some of my favorite images that I've shot. They're not tack sharp, but they right. capture the moment, right? They, they, they tell the story of that show. The name, the angel Gabriel, the, the fact that his name was Gabriel worked into how the image got its name, but yet he also carried the Bible. He didn't want anything. Um, it, it, it almost is kismet. It just worked that his name happened to be perfect for a perfect title for this image. When you were shooting this and you were originally just shooting the pier, and one of my questions was going to be, you know, you live in Colorado. Where'd you find a pier? Now we know Newport Beach. Um, when you're on the pier and you're shooting long exposures, trying to get the cloud movement and, and have the people disappear, etc. Um, <clears throat> and you realized it was missing something and you asked this homeless gentleman, Gabriel, to, to help you. Um, did you when he said to you, because I was one of my questions was going to be was, did you ask him to open the book like that? He wanted to hold the Bible. He opened it on his own. Yes. 
because the the flutter of the page also tells a story um, that the book is not a prop type thing, that the pages are being turned. When you shot this inside on the back of your camera, did you, because a lot of people don't get it yet. It's like, I got to pull it up. I got to see it. I'm assuming you shoot on the back of your camera in color and the black and whites post. Uh, well, I, I shoot in color, but because I'm in raw and monochrome mode, I see it in black and white on the back of my camera. Okay. Uh, so then you had an instant idea whether it was going to work or not. Did you know immediately the gold that you had when you saw this? Yes. And I mentioned earlier that up until this point, I had thought of myself as a photographer. And this was an, a significant image in my life for another reason. It's the first time that I consciously created an image according to my vision, consciously made it look the way that I saw it in my head, not the way I saw it with my eyes. Ex, ex, back, back that up for a second. So you, when you asked him to help, when, when you looked at the first shots would just appear and you went, it's missing something. And you realized you wanted a guy, you knew the framing you wanted, you wanted him with the leading lines of the pier going back, you wanted him staring at, did you tell him just to look at you? Uh, I don't know if I told him to look at me, but it was implied that that's what he should do. And this was the vision you had when you asked him to help. Yes. And if I could show you the before image, and I often do this, show people the before image, it is clearly not a, a capture. It's not a picture of reality. It's clearly been manipulated to look this way. And uh, that's the part of the creative process that I had always been lacking something where I actually made the image look like how I saw it in my head. And this is the first time that I'd ever done that. So this is why it's such a significant image to me. So let's get into that a little, a little bit. We, we were talking before I started recording that on this particular image, you, you weren't you know, sure what the EXIF data was or what the exposure was. And I looked up the EXIF data. And assuming the EXIF data is correct, it's a 15-second exposure, F14, because this kind of helps people that that are trying to learn long exposure. I actually did some of my first long exposures uh, last week up in Cambria, California, uh, as I was testing out a new backpack. Um, 15 seconds, F14, ISO 100, about 23 millimeters. You're a Canon shooter, I understand. So this was a Canon what body? Any idea? Mm, I don't know at that time what I had. Okay. And the fact that it's 23 millimeters, it's F14, but the EXIF data showed it was a 16 to 35 2.8, which is a gorgeous lens, especially the new one. Um, so you shoot this thing and you get it into post. What did you do to this? Well, how I describe it is, is I took what the camera saw, what my eye saw, and I manipulated it to, to look like how I envisioned it. So there's some very simple things. There was a lamp post in there that was distracting. It was gone. It was vignetted. It was heavily dodged and burned. It was darkened. It was increased in contrast, uh, brought the detail out in the clouds. Um, a lot of things that not not important exactly what I did. But the main thing is, is that I made it look how I saw it in my head. So are you a Photoshop or Lightroom user or what? Photoshop. OK, so all Photoshop. When you say it was heavily dodged and burned, I mean, obviously, I can see the vignette, which works really well because the vignette brings in that that uh, sun in the background and makes it almost look like a sunset. But I'm guessing the sky was fairly evenly lit before the vignette. Did you dodge and burn Gabriel? Oh, I dodged and burned everything. I work 
in Photoshop like I worked in the darkroom. Most, most of my work is done with dodging and burning. So it's extensively dodged and burned to bring out the detail or to hide things that I don't want to be seen, uh, to emphasize something, to de-emphasize something. That's primarily what I do. So a 15-second exposure. But you have people in this shot that are not completely gone and, in fact, look pretty solid ghosts. Uh, and one of my questions was going to be, you have two on the right of him and two a little farther back on the left of him. And I would have thought at 15 seconds they wouldn't be so solid there, that they would be a little more faded. Did you? Are they added in post or did you do something to, to pop them? Um, they were there. And in fact, I think that as I recall, there were some that I actually removed, but those two, those two sets of ghosts I left and I probably dot burned them down a little bit. So they appeared a little bit more, but, uh, they, I don't know. I, I truthfully, I always thought this was a 30 second exposure. So it's news to me that to, for you to tell me that it was a 15, but I always assumed that they stood still just long enough to register, but not to take real form. Well, and you know what I'll do is I will pull up the EXIF data right now and make sure that I read it right because it's entirely possible that, you know, I did not. Um, well, I never pay much attention. And it, let me just make a note on that, why I don't when people ask me about what. Yeah, I'd be interested to understand that. People. It show, so, that, so that, you know, it does show 15. I just checked. Okay. People often think, oh, I love that shot. What lens and what settings did you use? As though somehow the magic of the image were in a lens or a setting or an exposure or something. And to me, those are the almost least important elements in an image. Uh, it's the vision, the way you see things, not the way they're presented. So I, I always hesitate talking about settings because I know there'll be someone running out to appear using 15 seconds at F whatever I use, thinking they can now recreate the Angel Gabriel. And I often get people who will send me the images and say, look what I did. Here's a harbinger I created using your settings. And it's just, to me, almost on the bottom of the list of importance on creating an image. I And, and you know what? I 100% I agree with you. Um, here's where I might differ from you. I've seen a lot of people online refuse to give uh, EXIF data. Um, no, you have to go learn on your own. You have to figure it out. And I think it was episode seven or something with a friend of mine, Adam L. Machias, we got into this conversation too. It's so easy to do. Um, and and our concept was, and, and we both kind of agreed that yes, copying my settings is not going to create even an exact same copy of the image. However, for a new shooter that is just learning perhaps manual exposure and getting off of, you know, aperture priority mode, mm -hmm. um, it is, you know, we always tell them, shoot an aperture priority, and then when you get a shot you like, go look at the settings to learn what it did. And so in that sense, I find that understanding the the EXIF data um, is a tool. Um, but again, for the creative process, it's a minor part tool, but it's still a tool. You still need the nail, even though you have a really expensive hammer. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Does that make sense yeah, to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Then that that brings me to kind of my final question is if somebody wanted to start shooting because you get again, the depth in this image is insane when you see this thing at full resolution. Somebody wants to start shooting black and white images and they want to jump that that bridge that you jumped of I'm shooting black and white and I love my images and they're technically sharp and blah, 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 blah. But 
I want to start, Rick Salmon has a saying, I want to start making image instead of just taking a picture, right? If they want to take that jump to the dodging and burning and, and heavily making an image into their vision, if you were to give them one tip, what would it be? Well, let me leave into my answer the third reason why this is my favorite image. I mentioned I had a mentor at the time, and when I showed her this image, her first reaction was, don't center the image. Never center the image. And I thought to myself, this is how it feels. But she was an expert. She was a curator. She taught photography at a junior college in the San Fernando Valley. She was everything that I believed was an expert. And so I thought, well, I should listen to her advice. And I went home and I tried cropping the image, put Gabriel off to the side. And it was terrible. And I immediately threw it away. It was just terrible. And I thought to myself, this is the last time I ever ask anyone for advice about my images. I need to start listening to myself and ignore these silly rules of photography or these common wisdoms that people are always giving me. And I embarked on a two-year journey to find my vision. I didn't know what vision was. I'd heard people talk about it all the time, and I didn't know if I had it. And what if I found out that I didn't have a vision? Maybe some people were born with it and some were not. What did that mean for me in, as a photographer? So this two-year journey, uh, and one of the key things I did is not listen to other people's advice. I stopped looking at other people's work, and I started saying, what is it that I love? And how do I create more of that and less of what brings in all the likes or the contest wins or the sales? And I focused on just what I loved. And that's what I tell people to do. Find your vision. Don't worry about learning techniques and learning how to dodge and burn and learning how to use these various lenses and tools. Find your vision and whatever tool then you need to create it, you'll learn it. And that's what I did. I didn't have much experience with long exposures and people when I went to Auschwitz and shot the Ghost of Auschwitz series, but I had a vision of what I wanted and I learned how to do it. You know, that and, and the neat thing about following a vision, or as I call it, finding your voice, as it were, um, is it does require what you did. I cropped him, I put him on the right, I threw it away. It requires experimentation, and many of those experiments will fail. Many of those experiments will make you think, I'm working on the wrong image. Maybe this image isn't good. Maybe I need to pick a different image. I've had images where I worked them to death. And, and in my head, I saw what I wanted and I couldn't get it. And what I, what I would find is two things. One, I would find another image in my sequence that fit the image that was in my head and I was able to work it that way. And that first image would disappear for a year and suddenly I'd stumble on it a year later and I'd, I'd realize it wasn't the image that was wrong. It was the vision. Mm. The vision that I had in my head, that wasn't the image for. But later, when I had a different image in my head, that image worked. It doesn't mean the image is trash. It doesn't mean that the image doesn't get attention. It means maybe it's not the time. Maybe it's not ripe. And you wait. And there's another misconception. I've had people say, every image you take is a great image. And what they don't understand is, is I take about 500 images to get one good one. So, but they only see the good ones. And well, 
Yeah, and and that's a big problem is people need to when people ask me about photography and and they want to be seen, I always tell them only show images yes of how you want to be seen. Yes. There are people that think I suck and there's people that think I'm good, but the people who do think I'm good only think I'm good because that's all I've shown them. I, I couldn't say it better. Only show the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everybody uh, will differ on what a good one is, but. Quote. There's a quote from a, my, my buddy Adam L. Micaias, uh, something to the effect of, um, stop comparing your, yeah, it's something to this effect. And Adam, I apologize. I'm butchering it. Uh, I use it in one of my presentations, though, because it's one of my favorite photography quotes. Stop comparing your behind the scenes with other people's highlight reel. Oh. Now, at first, it's just a sentence, right? But when you really sit on that for a second and realize when you're doing a dump of 50 images on Flickr or on Facebook and the other guy dumped two pictures, um, he's putting up his highlight reel. And you think he's amazing because you're seeing his highlight reel and you're going, I'm not amazing because I got 50 shots here and 48 of them suck. Well, you should have posted yeah. two. It's really what it comes down to. I, I So, Cole, let's tell people how they can find you. Again, Cole Thompson, sure. um, your website is? ColeThompsonPhotography.com. Okay, ColeThompsonPhotography.com. And I think, I don't remember, you've got some social media links there. But let me give out a couple of them, the ones where people will most likely go looking for you. Instagram popular right now on Instagram. You are Cole P. Thompson. On Facebook, you are Cole Thompson Photographer. On Twitter, you're Thompson CD. And you're also, oh, I got to throw this one out there. Um, 500px, you're Cole 10, Cole 10, because that's where I browse through your your photos and found you people you got to go look at 500 px but you're also on Flickr, you're on tumblr you're on google plus and all of those links will be in the uh the post for this show cole thank you so much for joining me and talking about uh, the angel gabriel today thanks so much steve it's my pleasure having you on and there's a couple other shots i got to get you on again sometime uh, again thank you to everybody for watching my name is steve brazel the host of the behind the shot podcast on the this week in photo network i appreciate as always you joining subscribe to the podcast if you want to you can do so on the blog post uh, associated with this or on any of the pages on thisweekinphoto.com thanks again we'll talk to you next episode